1: Now that I'm a college graduate and ready for the real world, Liberty Shirt Co. has me covered. They have the finest dress shirts made for every occasion. Job interviews, business trips, or even just a casual shirt to wear around. If you use promo code 3P during the month of September, you will get 25% off the purchase. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.LibertyShirtCo.com and use promo code 3P at checkout. That's valid all September long. Hello, and welcome back to another 3P Podcast episode, season four, episode four. I'm your host, Josh Fromowitz, and once again, join with me are my co-hosts... Alex Castle. Steven Bonazzo. We got another jam-packed episode filled with basketball content and football content. Basketball season is right around the corner, boys. I'm pumped. I'm sure you boys are. And to kick off the basketball talk, we're going to talk some Philly sports... The 76ers star Ben Simmons has reportedly said he does not want to play for them ever again. And he will sit out and take whatever fine he gets. The situation is bad there with him and the Sixers organization. He recently signed a max deal. So he's locked into the team for four years, 140 million, I believe. Steve, I'm sure we'll double check that for me. And we'll say that. But, Kaz, I'm going to get to you first. So, does this hurt Philly's possible playoff chances?
0: You know, I don't think it does. And here's why. Because, obviously, Ben Simmons' biggest weakness is his shooting. That's the big reason why they want to get rid of him. That's a big reason why his trade value is not what it should be. He's just not producing the offense that a guy of his caliber and the amount of money that he's getting paid should be. And when you have your superstar center Joel Embiid who yeah, he can pull off these 40 off 40 point games in the playoffs, but he's also getting hurt and Simmons isn't doing what he needs to do, then something needs to change. So I think it'll help them out if they can trade him because you'll you'll have whatever you get for him will be supported by Embiid. Tobias Harris, guys like that. So if anything, I think Philly is getting rid of dead weight, and I think it's going to be a
2: totally new season for them. And I think um, – so actually, from what I checked, the contract was five years, $177.2 million.
1: But that started last year, so he's got four years remaining this year, right? Four years, yeah.
2: So that was a total contract. Um, and then he's due $33 million this year. So that's a big contract to take on, whether it's Philly or another team. Uh, but yeah, trade him because if he doesn't want to play for you, why are you going? Why are you going to try to force him to be on this roster if he has no desire and interest to playing? Especially, it's not like he's on a bad team like James Harden. The Rockets were starting to go downhill. You know, he kind of wanted out. They didn't win anything all those years previous when they had Westbrook, CP three, uh, all the other guys they had. I'm blanked a little bit, but. Ben Simmons is on a good team. He's on a team that will compete in the East, obviously. will be at the top of the East. And to be honest, can compete for a national championship. They haven't hit that uh, stage or tier yet, but they're up there. And you're playing a guy, you're playing alongside a guy like Embiid who can score and just dominate the game. Playing with a guy like Tobias Harris who – isn't a superstar, but he's a star in this league. So it's not like they have no one. They got pieces. They got some really good talent on that team. But he just doesn't like, I don't, for whatever reason, he doesn't like with this uh team anymore, whether it's coaching, his role on the team, just everything else. But I think the Sixers might as well trade him. He, I'm sure they will get it, a decent return for him. It's not like, granted, Like Castle said, his shooting can definitely improve by a lot. But I still think he would someone that I would take on my team. I mean, the dude is huge. He can handle the ball better than some point guards. He makes some really good plays. There's just some other things you have to work on. And you got to hope that he stays committed to the game and to the team that he plays for, whether it's Philly or not Philly. It'll be interesting to see where he goes, Ramos. I mean, do you have an idea where uh, you think he uh, could go, or is there any spot that you would like to see him go? I mean, I know as a Nets fan, you probably want him out of Philly.
1: So I was actually going to ask you, boys, the same question. I have been thinking. I've seen a few possible landing spots. One of them is the Clippers. No Kawhi this year because he tore his ACL in the end of the playoffs last year. So i seen Portland as a possible trade destination. Portland has been thrown in the mix. They trade C.J. McCollum. I don't know if I really agree with that as much. But back to your point, Steve, about Ben Simmons and how Philly should trade him, I don't really know if they should. If you think about it, it's like a Le'Veon Bell situation all over again when Le'Veon Bell is with Pittsburgh. Philly has total control here, and they own him for four years, which means Philly does not necessarily need to trade him. They can just continue to find him, let him be unhappy, and the players who report to practice every day in the games every day will keep balling, playing, and doing their thing. So I don't really think Philly is in a rush to trade him. Yes, his value will go down. But I think that's on him, not as much on the organization.
2: And, I mean, that's interesting because you don't want to rush things just because he says he doesn't want to play. I mean, technically, Philly, he is under contract. He is under their control. So if even though he says that he doesn't want to play, I mean I guess you, he could not show up. I mean he even said he wasn't going to report to training camp. But at the same time it's like there's got to be certain things with the contract where if he doesn't show up he may not earn all that money. I believe might.
1: I saw I believe that he would forfeit half of the salary that he'd be making this year. <laughs> so instead of 33 million he'd be like 16-17 making- million essentially, which is still a lot yeah. of money, but that's losing a lot of money still.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously like to people like, us, you know, it's tons of money. Like I would, if I made 16 million total in my life, I would be more than happy. But for a guy like who should be making 33 million in one year and he earned that contract, but now to only be making half, like, why would you do that? So there's a lot of different little things that go into it. Um, but I'm sure Philly would want to trade him before the season starts because you don't want a headache on your team either, especially a team like that where They had their dark, dark days where, I mean, they were, didn't that one year they started off like 0-30, and then they finally got that one win, but I mean, they had some dark times where they were struggling to get any sort of wins, so now that they're on top of the Eastern Conference standings the past couple years, that says something but now you don't want a headache on the team where you kind of have, you finally have this team that really could go out and compete. And then you have a headache on the team and especially a big one. I mean, Ben Simmons was their number one pick and he was like their star. I think before even Joel Embiid really started to take off. Right. Cause I think Simmons. Um, I think Embiid
1: was just before, but Embiid had been suffering more injuries cause he had two years worth of season ending injuries, whereas Ben only had one. So one. Ben has been more has been on the court longer than Embiid technically, but Embiid
2: has played longer in shorter time, if that makes sense. And Embiid obviously is a more established player. He's the one that gets some more recognition because he deserves it because Embiid is an all-star and one of the best centers in this league. Like you said, um Simmons only missed that one his rookie year or what should have really been his rookie year. Um, And he's been pretty much healthy ever since. I mean, obviously, if he has other injuries, but Embiid had those first couple years where he didn't really play at all because of the injuries. So Simmons' name really started to take off before Embiid's because he was, like Tramon said, he was on the court before. So when you have someone like that, one of your stars on the team who's causing this headache, you do want to get rid of it before it turns into – a migraine. If you guys like that reference, you know. It, I mean, even now, it's still kind of a. I mean, as of now, you're the headlines coming out of the Sixers is Ben Simmons. No other news. Not in how is the team looking. How is Doc Rivers going to do in the second year? It's only Ben Simmons won't report. He doesn't want to play for the rest uh for the Sixers any at all anymore. He wants to be done with them. So you do probably want to take care of that before the rest of the players are like not enjoying everything because Simmons is making it worse. I don't know. Obviously, honestly, we're not behind the scenes, but I mean, you guys all played on sports. Like if there's someone that's a headache on the team, it's no fun. So no. And
0: you know, a, a point that you brought up earlier was, you know, he was the number one draft pick for this team. He gave them an opportunity that, no one else did. I mean, sure. Okay, would the Sixers have been foolish for passing him up? Yeah, but they could have drafted any other guy. And if I'm in Ben Simmons's position and he knows that he's on the outs with Philly, you know, fine. I get it. But wouldn't you want to continue to play and show these teams that you're still capable of contributing? You know... He, teams could be refusing not to even talk to Philly because they're not, you know, seeing what his jump shot is like or what his condition is health wise or, you know, what kind of shape he's in, what kind of teammate is he by him sitting down. It's not only hurting Philly in some ways, but it's hurting his stock too. And, you know, you brought up, he's been on the court longer than Embiid. He should know better. and, I just think it's I think it's pathetic on his end that th- this is what it's come to and you know I I don't like Philly sports across the board but they are a team that's become very dominant in the east every year going into the season the past few years they've been they've been a top team and sure doc rivers his 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 career with Philly coaching wise could be questionable we've talked about that before um but it's just it's 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 frustrating to see, and just backtracking a little bit, we talked about you know trade spots. Josh, I like Portland. I think Portland could be a good spot. I agree. I don't think uh, McCollum should be the guy. I think Philly would be winning that. Tr- uh, yeah, Philly would be winning that trade. Uh, the trade that you sent me with the Hawks that was a very interesting one, and I and we both agreed. I like that one. Yeah, Philly wins that one in my opinion, but now you're pairing Ben Simmons with Trey Young, Clint Capella, John Collins. So that that was a very interesting one. But one, I,
1: I don't see, know. I just wanna cut you off just to say it for Steve, because he may not have saw it. it oh yeah, was, yeah. It was Ben Simmons for Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, and Danilo Gallinari.
2: You know, I actually think I did see that somewhere in
1: Yeah, it was on the have- report.
2: Yeah, that's where I saw it. And it had me think a little bit, but to be honest, it's tough. It's tough to decide, but because, you know, you got Trey Young, who has a little bit of an ego. Not that Ben Simmons necessarily does. I mean, I, I like – I think Joel B is more of a character than Ben Simmons is, but I'm not going to say Ben Simmons doesn't have any sort of ego or kind of like – when I say character, like – and you see Embiid with some of his um, post game comments, uh, or him eating like a cheeseburger before the game. Like he obviously like news swirl around him because he's such a big name. And then Trey Young, obviously, some of the, his actions in the playoffs when he um, I forget what what did he do again against the Knicks? Castle, you you would you would know.
1: Just shrug in the crowd and shrug in the crowd
0: bowing and and crap like that but it's okay but it's okay because he's balding and he's afraid of birds so whatever he does Mm -hmm. is irrelevant
2: but didn't he do something with the spitting too because someone spit on him well he got spit
1: on in like the closing seconds but he kind of just looked back but didn't do anything
0: yeah he had the
2: game winner he had the game winner later on in that game I thought he' like uh not actually spit on someone, but I thought he like pretended to like maybe spit on the floor like I don't know maybe I'm just either way he yeah, I don't think so either i'm just i'm shocked, but uh <laughs> but actually, I just saw one here, which could be interesting, Ben Simmons to disperse, you know it's so funny you mention that because
0: you know how on twitter um those random accounts will just pop up in your feed with like random sports tweets. And I saw a Ben Simmons uh, hypothetical trade for like DeJounte Murray and Uh, Devin Batchel and uh, Derek White. You know, the only thing I like about that trade is the location because maybe Popovich is the type of coach to kick Simmons uh, in the ass Maybe Doc Rivers has just given up on him already. And if Simmons goes to an organization that's really old school, that's had the same coach for two decades, maybe that's the change that he needs.
1: That, I think, that I think of- the Spurs would be giving up too much in that trade. Because Murray and Derek White, they're a young core. Oh, well, yeah. And Vassal, I think that was their draft pick last year. So they all have a lot of potential because they're all really young. So well, what
2: about – what about um, even, like, the Timberwolves? You know, Russell, Russell likes to shoot. Yes, uh, Anthony Edwards. Anthony, sorry about that, the connection. Uh, I was saying the Timberwolves because, if you think about it, D'Lo, he's more of a shooting point guard. Obviously, he can pass. But if you think about it, if you get Simmons, Simmons wants to pass first. So you just let Anthony Edwards score. Call Anthony Towns score. I
1: like that. I mean, I assume D'Angelo Russell would be a part of the trade, but that'd be a, that could be good.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry, it, you know, a stupid connection, but um, I don't. know. I just I think that was I think that one's kind of a. Uh, uh, low key kind of trade that could be made to the T Wolves. I mean, the T Wolves seem like they've been part of every big trade the past couple of years of Jimmy Butler, D'Angelo Russell. So I don't know. That one could be uh, let Anthony Edwards just do his thing on offense, let Cat kind of continue to do his thing, and then Ben Simmons is there. But who knows? They, it's going to take a while. And like, I promise, you're saying, you know, They shouldn't necessarily rush, but I don't think they should wait until the trade deadline to move him.
1: Yeah. So training camp, as we mentioned, kicks off next week. So we're all very excited to see that. I know all three of us have possible playoff contending teams with Chicago making their big free agent moves. So I'm sure Steve's happy to see his Bulls be competitive once again. We saw the Knicks in the playoffs. They're looking to get back and make a further run this year. So Castle's very excited about that. And my nets, I don't need to say much more. I'm excited to see them all healthy, so we'll be we'll be continuing to talk basketball as it gets closer to tip off, so that'll wrap up our hoops talk and moving on to the gridiron. We've got two weeks under our belt, some teams are starting off real hot, some teams are starting off cold. I'm gonna start with you, boys, Castle, I want you to go first and give me a team that is. Stood out and caught your eye.
0: I mean, this might be obvious, and I'm sure you guys are going to touch upon it, but definitely Carolina. What a start they've had. I think a lot of it has to do with, with Matt Rule, you know, highly recruited as Baylor's head coach. I think he's got a very creative mind when it comes to both sides of the ball. I think that's been a big aspect. You know, Christian McCaffrey coming back. Arguably the best running back in the league. He's he's helping a lot. He's giving Sam Darnold some space and giving him opportunities to do his thing. And maybe that's what Darnold needed. So that's been success. Of course, having Robbie Anderson uh has helped him. And the defense has really surprised me. They've they've came out strong. They've so far turned out to be going into week three, they gotta be a top five defense. So- I,
1: believe, I believe they're top they're the best defense in terms of yards and like points but I believe on offense they're also like top three in terms of scoring because in the Jets game they put up around 30 and in the Saints game they put up 35 so they're getting it done on both sides of the ball so I'm really happy you mentioned them
0: yeah and they their next matchup against uh, Houston I think it'll be very easy for them no Tyrod Taylor, rookie quarterback. They they're going to be a very surprising team as uh, as the season goes on, and it's it's been it's been fun because you know there were a lot of question marks, McCaffrey's health, Sam Darnold with a new team, but it's been fun. Not sure how long it's going to last, but they've definitely been a team that surprised me the most. And even though they had an easy win against your jets josh i'm also been impressed with the patriots and with mac jones he's you know i listened to interviews with this guy and you know skeptical because of what his situation was what he had around him at alabama but he's been cool calm and collected and he's been making some very very good decisions with the ball and he doesn't really have a bad offense around him he's got two he's got two solid tight ends He's got some, some nice receivers with Jacoby Myers and uh,
1: Aguilar
0: and Aguilar. Aguilar and Harry. So, yeah, th- those are probably my top two, both AFC teams, but those are the top two that come to mind.
1: Carolina's NFC.
0: Oh, thank you for correcting me. I always think they're AFC for some reason. I don't yeah, know they're why.
1: NFC, they're NFC South with the Saints and the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Okay. But I, both, I, I, both teams, was, the Jets lost too. Both teams, the Jets lost. And maybe that's why you thought of it. Probably. Um, before Steve goes, because he's having some bad connection, I'm going to give my surprise team so far. And I was going to say Carolina, but you touched on everything I wanted to mention. So far, my team, even though they lost last week pretty badly, I am pretty optimistic in the Saints with James Winston. Because if James Winston – which we saw in week one against a tough Green Bay team. He was able to, to move the ball efficiently and not turn the ball over. He had five touchdowns, and Alvin Kamara did his thing. And that it, it's a simple game plan for them. Give Alvin Kamara the ball, and Jameis doesn't need to overthink the, the game plan. And we saw in week two, he struggled a bit. He turned the ball over, I think, two times, and Alvin Kamara didn't look his best. And that was against the Carolina Panthers, which you just mentioned. But I think moving forward, as Jameis gets more reps under his belt, more games he plays, Alvin Kamara, more touches, I think we'll see the Saints team become more and more efficient and more of a back to a lethal offense. And, well, in my opinion, even though they won't have Michael Thomas, we could see the Saints team looking sharper than they did with Drew Brees because having Jameis Winston instead of Drew Brees at quarterback allow us for that deep ball opportunity, which Drew Brees really didn't possess at the end of his career. So I think the Saints team could be fun to watch. And then their defense has stepped up, especially in that Green, Green Bay game. So, Stevie, I don't know if you're there, what what the status is, but if you're there, give us a surprising team.
2: Well, I mean, I'm here. I'm here. I just... The connection there's you know, it's no fun this is why uh we're gonna have to build ourselves a little studio so we're here in person and don't have to deal with this connection bs but for me a surprising team the las vegas raiders uh, i hope you guys didn't say that one already but no uh, and i'm glad
0: you mentioned it
2: good because the raiders have looked pretty and I, derek carr has like good i think does he still lead after this week in passing yards? I believe he does, right? In front yes, of Kyler. I think Kyler's number two. So, beautiful. So, and they beat in, he beat the Ravens Monday night who just Ravens, took down Ravens, Kansas City. The Ravens and the Steelers, I believe. The Steelers, yes. So, and the steel. so, I mean, so they took down the Ravens who then took down Kansas City. He beat the Steelers who took down the Bills in week one. So, to me, that's a pretty impressive uh, effort they've given, and to think that I'm sure not too many people had them on any high expectations for them. Maybe wild card team, if that, I mean, especially in the AFC West with the Chiefs. I'm sure that people expected the Chargers to be pretty good with Herbert now his second year, Derwin James back, and then even the Broncos. And Broncos could be another surprising team too at two and zero. Uh, while we're at it in the AFC West. I mean, both those teams, Teddy Two Gloves has really uh, shown out so far, and the defense has played well, and they lost Jerry Judy early in the first week against the Giants, so the fact that they're winning games is, is impressive. And I mean, the Raiders have scored 59 points so far this year, which is, I'm looking at the standings, and that's up there from some of the league highs. So... I would say the Raiders are my number one surprise team, but then the Broncos are not far off. And then my disappointment team, team that I'm uh, disappointed in, it's kind of tough because although I own two teams, you could kind of like the Falcons and the Lions, like I didn't expect much from them. To be honest, if I had to give one, I would have to probably say uh, probably have to say the Titans. I just, yes, they just beat Seattle in overtime, but I thought with the addition of Julio, their defense pretty much somewhat intact. I mean, they lost Malcolm Butler, they lost Adoree Jackson, so he lost some pieces in the secondary. But overall, I think that they still had a pretty solid defense. Mike Vrabel is a really good coach, especially defensively. And then the offense, I mean, pretty much you just return everyone and. They just got smacked by Arizona, and they just squeaked out against Seattle, which, I Seattle Seattle's a good team. But they haven't – I mean, they've allowed 68 points on defense, so that is bad, and they've only scored 46, most of it coming from last week. And Derrick Henry week one didn't look like a thing. Obviously, we know what he did in week two. He just went off. But they still haven't shown to me that they could be a true contender in the AFC and possibly for the Super Bowl, like they have the past couple years. So they're, yes, they are one-on-one, but they're a little disappointing to me. Promise you agree? Yeah. Um,
1: the last part you said about them sque- squeaking by the Colts, uh, the Seahawks, my bad. Only part I disagreed with, just because they were down by, I think, 14 in that game, and then they came back in the second half to win that game, and that's how it went to overtime. But yeah, other than that, I'm really surprised that their defense is this terrible because last year they're a playoff team. They had a top 10 defense and they returned to everyone essentially. So yeah, that I don't understand, but I think, I think they'll get better. I think it really is just taking time for Tannehill to give equal opportunities to, to basically two number one wide receivers and AJ Brown and Julio where while they're also making sure Derek Henry gets the same, gets his proper number of carries a game. So I think with them, it's more of a we'll ride into the season and
2: cruise by. I don't know the thing to say, and I've been writing about this and talking about this a lot. Of my uh, with my class with Abe sports broadcasting, and uh, and then even for STN a little bit, but the amount of injuries to quarterbacks is just unreal. I mean, if you guys look at it, like you're talking about the Colts, Carson Wentz sprained both of his ankles, I'm pretty sure, on the same play. His, His status is in jeopardy. Tyrod Taylor won't play the Thursday night game against Carolina. Tua's out for Miami. Andy Dolan's out for my Bears, which I'm not mad about, but he's still out. And... Baker possibly might be out. Big Ben might be out. Yeah. So I'm just like looking at it. And I remember last year, remember all those injuries, especially the torn ACLs? It was more like,
1: but that was more like the running backs and defensive backs. This year is more quarterbacks.
2: Yes. So it is just unreal to like look at like all these injury reports and all these quarterbacks who, even if they're not done for the season, are going to be out for a few weeks. And some will hurt the teams. I mean, poor Tyrod Taylor. He was playing so well for Houston. Now, I don't think Houston's a playoff team. Even with Deshaun Watson, I didn't think that. But Tyrod Taylor's having had the Texans playing well. Or, I mean, Tua, a lot of Dolphins fans or a lot of NFL fans in general are not too high on Tua. But I still think overall he gives the Dolphins the best chance to win over Jacoby Brissett, in my opinion. Or even Carson Wentz. I mean, he didn't look half bad against the Col- uh, against for the Colts against the Seahawks and the Rams. I mean, heck, the Colts only lost to the Rams by three. And we lost by more than that to the uh, to Seattle, but he didn't look too bad. And we're gonna start Jacob Beeson. Guy who hasn't really played at all, second-year guy. So and then obviously I can talk more about this later or whatever, but Justin Fields, I think, gives the Bears a better chance. And all of our listeners know I feel this way, but I think he does give us a better chance to win. But even then, though, now you're out Andy Dolan you're out at quarterback for however long. So it's just Fields and Nick Foles. So yes, like, so whether you like these guys that are starting or not quarterback insur- insurance is very important in this league because you can pretty much go in free agency and sign any running back and have them do pretty well. You know, receivers depends, but usually they have, um, a lot of receivers on the roster anyway. So if one goes down, you're not hurting too bad or you can make a trade, but for quarterback, you know, if you don't have some of a reliable quarterback, you're screwed. So and even Zach Wilson, I saw as playing through going to injury, and I don't think that's anything too serious, right, From it, So you probably give us more information. You practice fully, it's nothing at all, luckily. That's good to hear. So, so yeah, it, it's it's definitely uh and it's only week, it's gonna be week three. And the injuries are just bam, not hesitate. So It'll be interesting to see how teams game plan for this week. Do they open up the playbooks, Phil? And Davis Mills is going to be making his first start against a tough Carolina defense. How does – is it David Coley, right, that's their head coach? I think that's his name. I uh, I don't want to miss – give any wrong. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that is, yeah. uh, I can make a quick search in about 10 seconds. David Cooley. I mean, my internet sucks. so maybe not. <laughs> it is David Cooley. All right. Yeah, that's our yeah. thought. Yeah. So, see how he he uh, he does that. Game plans for Davis Mills, who is a quite different quarterback than Tyron Taylor. Same thing. Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. Justin Fields is a totally different type of quarterback than Andy Dalton. Um, I don't know. It's just it's interesting to see. Like all the injuries so far around the league. And then obviously you have your non-quarterback guys like Jarvis went out, but I think they should be getting Odell back. Um, or Big Ben, Big Ben even. I don't think even with Big Ben, I don't think uh the Steelers are in a good spot because it just have his age. He's not Tom Brady. I think they gotta find his replacement ASAP, but they still just cling on to uh Big Ben. So um but now what is it, Mason Rudolph back in action? No,
0: wouldn't for the wouldn't it be Haskins?
2: It's I Haskins. Yeah, it's Haskins. it's Haskins. So Mason Rudolph's number three on that depth chart right now?
0: Yeah, I think Haskins is the backup. Oh wow.
2: Yeah, a lot can change in a year, huh?
0: Yeah. He went from having that fallout with Washington and you know, Heineke and taking over for him to where we are now. Um, yeah, we have come a long way. And I just wanted to add something quickly because we talked, you mentioned it, Stevie, about Tua. My opinion is out of the three quarterbacks, you know, Tua, Hertz, Mac Jones, I think Tua is going to be at the bottom. From what I've seen already, you know, I don't like admitting it because he's the Eagles quarterback, but, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a solid career in this league, whether he stays with the Eagles forever or not. And Mac Jones just just has impressed me two weeks into the season.
1: Castle, I'm curious, what
0: do you have? Any teams that are disappointing you so far? So we talked about the Titans, which you know, I I, I liked your point about how it you know it's taking time for them to adjust. It is, I mean. The first game of the season, Julio had that personal foul. Coach calls him out. That's gonna definitely take some time uh, to adjust. Is there another team that's disappointing me? I mean, of course the Giants are, but not even worth talking about that. I get. I mean, I guess Green Bay. You know, in some ways they're not playing to their full potential. I mean, they. They spanked the Lions. But that first game against the Saints, they only put up three points. And I think it's disappointing because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is playing the way that he should be in the sense of not fully utilizing the offense. I mean, listen, four touchdowns with Aaron Jones. Okay, whatever works, works. But Devontae Adams going into week three has has zero touchdowns. And I don't know, I, I sense a lot of unpredictability from this Packers team, which why, which is why I, I'm more on the disappointed side. I think going into every week with them, it's, you know, it's going to be unpredictable because this is Rogers last season with Green Bay. We know how much he doesn't want to be here. No preseason. And I think that adds an element of, of disappointment. Who knows? They can completely turn around. I mean, the way their division looks. Sorry, Stevie, but they probably have the best chance of making the playoffs. But so far, I've been disappointed with what I, with what I've seen from Green Bay. I
2: sorry, promise. I just wanted to add a little bit into my rival, the Packers. But uh, I they so even like if someone looks at um. The Packers and the crushed Lions, if you looked at the box score. But if you watched that first half of the game, the Lions kind of controlled that first half of the game. Goff was kind of slinging it across the Packers and the Packers' defense. They were moving the ball, and the Packers' offense were getting stopped here and there. But then second half, the Packers just said, what are we doing? Like, how are we losing to the Lions? and then just came out and just steamrolled them. So, like you said, I don't think the Packers have played to their full potential just yet. That second half of the Lions game, those are the Packers that we were that we're used to seeing, especially last year, where they were just moving the ball, scoring on pretty much every drive that they got. Rodgers looked good. But for that first game and then that first half against the Lions on Monday night, that was not a good Packers team that – That um we well, I don't watch the first game, but that we watched in quotation marks. So I I can agree with that they've been a little disappointing, not a full disappointment just yet. I mean, I'm hoping that they're disappointment because that'll be better news for me. But they still I and I can agree with, I think they do have the best odds to win the NFC North because the Lions suck. Even with Matt Stafford, they suck. So now that we like. I think we lost you for that last bit, but that's fine.
1: We'll move on. Um, yeah, that's fair. All good. Then another team I want to throw out who I think is a big disappointment, and Steve started talking about them a little bit, is the Steelers. With or without Big Ben being in or out, I think with the way the Ravens are playing and the way the Browns are playing possibly, if Baker is healthy, which is also a question mark. And L- Mar also now is apparently hurt because he got he got hurt in, in the Monday night game against, or the Sunday night game, whatever it was, got hurt in the Sunday night game, celebrating. Um, We'll see. This Steelers team is not looking like what we're accustomed to. Big Ben showing a lot of rust this year. His receivers aren't producing what we're used to. Claypool, Johnson, Juju, they haven't had those explosive plays yet. Najee Harris is struggling to run the ball. Their defense is just giving up chunk plays after chunk plays. It, it this Steelers team, I think, is in trouble. So I think they're a disappointment so far. And I really don't know if they could recover. Castle, I know you've been watching the Steelers a bit. You got fan you got fan, you've got friends who are Steelers fans. Are they
0: worried? Are you worried for them? Well, First, going off on the point about the defense, I believe the game, their last game against uh, Vegas, they had a couple of their guys missing So on defense. So that could have something to do with it. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely concerning. This is a team that, if you look at their division, they should definitely be able to compete for first. The Browns are too hurt to get any production on offense. Their defense could be good, but there's some holes that are missing. The Bengals, I think, are going to take some time to fully develop. And then it's just them versus the Ravens, but you've got to be consistent because Baltimore is a team that can come out of nowhere. I mean, Lamar Jackson is just something else. So, to answer your question, I think Steelers fans should be concerned. I don't know why Big Ben is playing the season. I think they should have explored another option at quarterback. And its I think it's going to be tough. I think they're going to need to have their defense consistently healthy to keep them in games because I don't know if their offense is going to be consistent. And you talked about their three receivers – we're forgetting their tight end Eric Ebron who was explosive for this offense this guy at one point was being talked as a top 5 tight end now i think people forget he even wears the number 85 for pittsburgh so yeah if i'm a steelers fan which like you said i'm one of my good friends is a big steelers fan i'd be concerned he's staying optimistic but like any fan of a team you're you're going to stay optimistic until until you know things are things are getting bad. And yeah. I,
1: just want, I just want to add on one more thing: they they don't have a backup plan really for Big Ben in the for the long term future. You look at teams like the Jets, the Jaguars, all these teams just address the, the Bears. We we all addressed our ne- biggest need for the future and finding our quarterback for the future, and even the Buccaneers did that with. Tom Brady, he, he pot, the Buccaneers possibly found their success during Kyle Trask, but the Steelers really don't have that. So it makes you think, do did they make the wrong decision drafting Najee Harris to fill James Conner's role? But like, it's tough because that's also a huge position that they don't have. So I think the Steelers are kind of in a mess right now. They have so many holes that you start to question some of their moves in the offseason because of it.
0: You also question how many good seasons Mike Tomlin
2: has left. Another good point. Also makes you question, do they trust Dwayne Haskins that much? Yeah. Like get- who? Who
1: knows? Because Haskins was rated pretty highly out of college, out of Ohio State. The Giants, I thought the Giants were going to take him, but instead they took Daniel Jones and Haskins fell to Washington, but he clearly wasn't the guy there. So who knows? Maybe A second chance is good for a lot of guys, and maybe it could be good for Haskins. He's still a young quarterback. I believe he's only like 24, 25. So he's still, he still is, has a lot of football left if he could limit his turnovers because that was his big thing. And the Steelers, if they just keep their receivers, which they probably will with Juju, Claypool, Johnson, they have Najee Harris. If they could properly protect their quarterback, then Haskins could be the solution there for the future. But before we wrap up this week's show, we're going to go on to our weekly segment of Stardoms and sit Steve, you, I think you had the best record out of the three of us last week as Castle
2: and I both went two for four with both of our picks. so you Look at that. Did you look at that? Week one, not good. Started, the from, started
1: from the bottom. Now you're here, Stevie. I'll let you go first. Give us your starts.
2: Starts, right. So, first one. Monday night, Miles Sanders against America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Here's the thing. Miles Sanders had a – Pretty solid week one and then week two you can see like eh, but he's the number one guy there he's gonna get the touches, and he's a dual threat guy you know he can obviously run the ball good, but he's very effective out of the backfield for receiving and Jalen Hurst is gonna like to use him like that, so I think that would be good and then you go you go against Dallas, who those divisional games are always pretty close and I always feel like the stars shine the brightest in those divisional games. It's like Zeke, Amari, Dak, in this case, Miles Sanders. Now Jalen Hurts. So I think the big guys will finally get some uh, stats behind them. Dallas' defense, we know, is playing much better than they did last year. But they're still not anything special. They have some really good pieces. But over, overall, like, they're not – they're still learning. They're still uh, getting that chemistry down. So – and Dan Quinn, I like him a lot. But as of now, I think Miles Sanders will have a good week. And then the other one, and if you even haven't him I mean, granted, he's probably on a team. But one of my leagues, he wasn't even on a team. He was a free agent. Marquise, Hollywood, Brown. Receiver, Ravens. This dude has scored in every game so far. This dude, me and Framis were kind of talking about this before the podcast. He's starting to make a name for himself now. He's kind of turning into showing, like, hey, I could be the number one guy. And maybe it took them drafting Rashad Bateman in the first round to do that. But he's – the dude's got speed. He can burn anyone. He's got pretty good route running, and the best part is I'm pretty sure he's got a nice matchup against uh, Detroit, So, and Detroit's secondary is down bad, is down real bad. They lost Jeff Okuda for the season. First of all, they didn't really have the strongest secondary to begin with. Then you lose your top young corner to the season, and then the other guy that they lost Monday night, Melifanyu, who was rookie but they were pretty high on him he went down with an injury so they're down bad and then you i mean hollywood brown should be running all over that secondary running past that secondary and ravens coming off that solid week from kansas city so their uh, motions are high their emojo's high lamar's probably feeling good and I know my boy Hollywood Brown is feeling good because I'll tell you what he's the eighth ranked receiver at least in my ESPN app scored in both like I said back-to-back games he had over 100 yards last game so you better book it play Hollywood Brown I don't care who the other receivers are make sure he has one of the spots or in the flex because he will get you a lot of points this week that's my uh that's my prediction I like Hollywood
1: Brown a lot I think it wasn't so much the drafting Rashad Bateman. I think it's more so finding a complimentary receiver, like they brought in Sammy Watkins. Because I think it takes a lot of pressure off, and you don't really realize it until you have it. Because the the, the Ravens did not have any receivers last year, along with Marquise Brown. So how is Lamar supposed to – like? Do well as a as a quarterback if he only has Marquise Brown, and Mark Andrews as two guys to throw to. Granted, he had J.K. Dobbins who could also catch out of the backfield. That's not the same. Now he has Sammy Watkins, a seasoned veteran, who, when he was with Buffalo, so many years of leading, being their leading wide receiver. One, he won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs, and now he is a complimentary piece to this young veteran, this young guy in Marquise Brown. So I think it really took for that for Marquise Brown to blossom into that wide receiver one that we thought he could be all along. And he's related to Antonio Brown. So he, he's got football genes in his blood.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, granted Antonio Brown's not what he used to be, but he's still a uh, name in this league. He kind of made that comeback. So, had a, he had a huge week one and he was a big part of their Super Bowl run. So, so and I, you know, I like your point about compliment, uh, complimentary uh, receiver because who knows, maybe them drafting, bringing in walk-ins and drafting Bayman, like, listen, like they were looking for wide receiver help. Like no one's job is safe. You have to go out and produce and go out and play well. So, it could be that, but I think, like you said, now he actually has someone, now granted, Sammy Watkins is not the greatest receiver in the world, but he's a pretty solid guy who can make plays when he needs to, and can take some pressure off another guy, um, which he did with Tyreek Hill, and now he's doing with Hollywood Brown, so, and then when you add Throne Bateman, then it really should be interesting, so, yeah, those are my picks, hopefully you listen to me, they had a pretty good week last week, so, Stevie's riding in the hot hand, and he's looking to continue
1: it. So if you're smart, you'll listen to his picks. Castle did really well week one, had a rough week two, going two for four with his picks, but he's looking to bounce
0: back here. So tell the people who they should start. Before I do, had no idea about uh, Marquise Brown and Antonio Brown. What's the relation? They're cousins? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So my first stardom is a name that some of you might not be too familiar with, but I highly recommend you getting him at the flex. I know he's not too popular in leagues, but he's a name that's getting up there and that's KJ Osborne with the Minnesota Vikings. He had seven targets in the last game. He's got great speed. He's got great burst. They don't really have a tight end right now with Irv Smith being out for the season. So He's going to be a guy that, especially this week against Seattle, I know Seattle's not, is not the best. However, Thielen and Jefferson have been the two hot guys that Cousins has been throwing the ball to. So expect Cousins to be, you know, looking for him down the field. You know, this is a guy that can beat out their secondary. You know, he's he's a solid talent. I don't recommend him at receiver one, but – Definitely, definitely flex, and if you absolutely need to, I think he's a good two for this week. Now, my other pick, this is totally unbiased. I w- wouldn't recommend this guy, but he's actually, if you look at his numbers, he's one of the higher-rated QBs going into week three, and that's none other than Daniel Jones. This guy, if you look on ESPN, his roster uh, number went up tremendously. He's now rostered in 37.9% of leagues. He went up 26.8%. And that, and that's huge for him. He's had a touchdown each game, 23.38 points week one, 31.46 last week against a solid defense, I'd say. And he's going into week three against another 0-2 team, at home, the expectation is that he'll develop more chemistry with Kenny Galladay. Hopefully Evan Ingram comes back, who's a favorite target of his. If Slayton actually can catch the ball, I'm sure he'll be doing well this week. So if you have Daniel Jones on your bench, I'd swap him out. I think it's a favorable matchup. If you're on the fence with either of your – Options for this week, and you have the space. If you got a guy in IR and you got a bench spot, pick him up. I think it's going to be another big week for him.
1: Giant fans can only hope and pray at this point. He looks solid against Washington, and Washington's known for having a good defense. But he secured, he held onto the ball better, which is what you were harping on with TJ last week. So I'm sure as a Giant fan, you loved seeing that. But onto my picks now. I'm going to start off with. Running back Cordero Patterson, he is on the Falcons. He plays the Giants this week. So this game could potentially be a high-scoring game as both defenses really are weak at this point right now. The Falcons are not the best team. They're at the bottom. But Cordero Patterson is a very interesting player because he started the year behind Mike Davis in terms of running back depth but he's now their second leading pass catcher behind Calvin Ridley. So very favorable for PPR players because you get points per catch and he racks up catches scored uh, on the ground last week on a run and he could do it all. So I actually have both Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson. So I think I'm going to start both of them because I think, they both offered two different types of games as running backs. So that's a lot of points right there against the giants. And then my other is Zach Pascal of the Indianapolis Colts. Paschal through two games so far has three touchdowns and this week he's playing the Titans defense. And we mentioned the Titans defense has been struggling this year. So it would take a drastic turnaround to change the ways they've been going so far. So I don't see that happening right now. I think the Titans will slowly start to recover from where they were, but it's going to take some while to go back into playoff form. So I think the Colts, who are also looking for their first win, are going to win this game because of Carson Wentz's um, air attack. And I think it's going to be mostly to Zach Pascal. Maybe not so much other receivers, but mostly Zach Pascal, who's proved to be Carson Wentz is a uh, wide receiver, one target. And Jonathan Taylor could also have a good game. He's just a beast. So I'm sure Steve liked hearing that. Yeah. And plus, not only is he a former Badger, but I have him in all my leagues. So even better. It's always a good show when Stevie gets to talk about Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it is. Since uh, he did some last week. So you want to start off for Sittims now, Stevie?
2: I mean, of course, of course, I'll lo- be uh, thrilled to do that. So for me, I'm not going to lie, fellas, my sit uh, they there's some big names. Not, you know, I wouldn't say uh, the biggest, but guys who have proven that they can do well in this league, and especially the first guy who is one of the highest-ranked uh, fantasy receivers, and that's Debo Samuel. And I'll tell you why. Debo has been on on fire so far. He's been on such a good start to the season. that I feel like he's not due because he's a really good player, and I don't want to say that. But I just feel that he he's going to have a game where – I mean, every guy has a game where they just don't perform as well. And I think it's going to be Debo Sunday night against the Packers. Now, it is home. It's in, uh, well, technically, they don't play in Santa Fran, but the 49ers are home. We he plays the Packers. And I know I was kind of picking the Packers apart earlier, but I got to give them credit. They do have really solid corners, especially Jair Alexander, who I think is a top three corner in this league behind Jalen Ramsey and Stefan Gilmore of healthy and Trying to think of another guy, Zabian but Jair, Xavier Howard, Shadavious White. So he's like a tough five corner. Um, and I'm assuming Jair is going to be shadowing Debo. So if Debo gets paired with Kevin King, then this prediction may not be the best. But I'm assuming Jair is going to be on their best receiver, Debo, uh, all games. So. If that's the case I just don't think that it'll be a good matchup for Debo and I feel like they want to get I mean I don't know if they want it but I would assume so and they should get Brendan Ayuk more involved their first round pick from last year who had a really solid rookie season so I think they're going to try to get him more involved Obviously, Kittle kind of had a down week last week. You want to get him more involved this week. So I think there's other guys that they want to get involved that will probably have more of an opportunity to get open against the Packers' defense. Um, Because whoever's on Kevin King should get open. Who's ever – and Kittle will probably be guarded by – covered by uh, the linebackers, and he can easily get open against them. So Debo's going to have the toughest time. With Jair so I, I would sit him for this week and then my other one is Antonio Gibson now you're probably thinking like hey Antonio Gibson I mean like running back who's done well he's one of the better running back one of the higher drafted running backs in fantasy this year he can catch he can run but last week against the Giants it kind of if I was an Antonio Gibson owner, it kind of scared me. I mean, pretty much, Gibson didn't really do much against a Giants offense that, a Giants defense that didn't look so solid in week one. And McKissick was used more in the receiving part of the game. Yeah. More than, um, I mean, he only had two catches for four yards McKissick had like over 40 receiving yards and touchdowns. So, I don't know what their plan is with Gibson. And plus, they play the Bills, which is a tough defense. I mean, the Bills shut out the Dolphins. The Dolphins could not do anything against the Bills. So I'm not going to say that Washington's going to have the same problem. But hey, we know Buffalo's defense is, n- Buffalo in general is no joke. Buffalo's defense is not a defense to mess around with. So. And I think Haneke, if he has that connection with McLaurin, they're going to try to target that more. Um, or if McK- you know, or if he had that good connection with McKissick in the with the receiving aspect of it for the running backs, then I think they're going to do that more. So I just don't feel like Gibson is a strong uh, candidate to be played this week. In my opinion, I'm not saying this is for the rest of the season, but against a tough Buffalo defense, I think you should sit him. Especially, probably,
1: Especially if they're playing uh, a catch-up. If the Bills score early, they're not going to be running as much. So McKissick yeah. might be more touches anyway because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's the too, because
2: I'll tell you what, Washington's defense does not look good. So I could see them playing catch-up early because, I mean, the Giants, no offense, Castle, the Giants went right down the score. So I could easily see Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and the Bills offense doing the same exact thing. As a Stefan Diggs owner, I'm very happy
1: to hear that, and I hope that is true. Two very good picks by Stevie. We'll see how that does. Castle, you want go make your two sit-ums?
0: Sure. My first sit-um is the starting tight end for the Packers, Robert Tanyan. Uh, he did have a touchdown last week. However – Green Bay is traveling to the West Coast. That's a big travel for them. That can definitely have a factor. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, his game last week with Aaron Jones, that could only increase the relationship. As I mentioned before, Devontae Adams hasn't had a touchdown yet this season. So there are a lot of factors that could take away reps and points from Tanyan, which is why I wouldn't start him if you have another tight end. If you have to start him, You might get a couple of points, but I don't think this is going to be a good week for him. And the other guy I'm going with is Joe Burrow. I wouldn't start Joe Burrow this week. I know we just harped on the fact that uh, Pittsburgh's defense is not that good and it's concerning. However, they still do have guys on that team that can make it tough for him. You look at their secondary, they still have Minka Fitzpatrick. They They have Melvin Ingram now who's on the outside. I believe Watt is healthy, so they still have him. So they still have a couple of guys that can give him a hard time. Yes, he's had multiple touchdowns the past two games, but if you look at his spreadsheet going into week three, I'm sorry, Stevie, no offense. He hasn't had much real competition defensively. I mean, yeah, Chicago, you know, went off against him. But, yeah, I wouldn't start Burrow if if you can – if you can avoid it.
1: You have three turnovers against uh, the Bears. I think all, there were three passes in a row. All were interceptions, including a pick six.
0: Yep, 21 uh, points. They gave me 21 points. So I think this is his toughest challenge, and I, I wouldn't start him. I think this this game, you know, it's a it's a division game for Pittsburgh. I think this could be the turnaround game that they need. So if you can avoid starting him, I wouldn't start him. He's underperformed – even with the two touchdowns he's had in both games, he hasn't even hit 15 points, I believe, so he's underperformed.
1: I like those two also, uh, especially because I think, as we mentioned earlier, the Steelers need that big break, and this week could very easily be it. It's a divisional game, and in past years they've owned the Bengals. So if they lose the Bengals then – and lose or even win – in a close one, then it'll be very concerning. And the red flags will be waving in Pittsburgh. So I do see this being a statement game for the Steelers and a struggle game for Joe Burrow, especially. And before I wrap up, here are my two and they're both injury related. So I'm going to start with sticking to the Steelers Bengals game, uh, Deontay Johnson, because big Ben doesn't play and, it's going to be Jacoby. What am I saying? It's going to be Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. Then that might be difficult for Deontay Johnson to get some touches. I don't know what their chemistry is like. And he is also already the third receiver on that team alone behind Claypool and Juju. So it might be a tough week for Deontay Johnson. And if big Ben plays, then who knows how, what, his protection will be like he his O-line really hasn't been that good this year. And Johnson has had a very good week one and then got hurt in week two. So his status is also pretty up in the air for this week. So there's a lot of question marks here surrounding De- Deontay Johnson. So it might be best if you just sit him completely to avoid those headaches. And then my other is Jalen Waddle, And I like Jalen Waddle a lot. Week one, he balled out. And week two, in their blowout game against Buffalo, he had some catches, but nothing too exciting. This week, no Tua, already ruled out with a rib injury. So it'll be tough for Jalen Wilde to get the ball with Jacoby Brissett. He had previous chemistry going with J- with Tua Valoa, teammates at Bama. So that chemistry definitely transferred over and said the pros. So maybe that's why Jalen Wilde will start to ball out. But this week with Jacoby Brissett, They struggled heavily last week when Brissette took over for Tua. So I think it would be best if you guys just sit Jalen Waddle if you have him. He's he's already on my bench. He hasn't touched the starting at the flex or receiver's position yet, but who knows, maybe in the future he will. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the 3P Podcast. Quick shout-out to Kevin from Wild Chat Sports. Great partners of ours. And TJ, our new social media guy, TJ Hummel, made a guest appearance last week. I'm sure he'll be coming on again, depending on how good or how bad or how poorly the Giants do in the next coming weeks. Also a huge Yankee fan. So I'm sure with the postseason push coming for the Yanks in the next week or so, I'm sure TJ has some strong opinions about that. So that'll wrap it up for this week's show. Thank you all for listening.